Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you in the name of Jesus for the privilege and the honor of serving you and being the children of God. And Lord, the inheritance that we have, Lord, all that we have because of what Jesus did for us and what he accomplished when he died for our sins and shed his blood and rose from the dead. And Lord, we're just so thankful uh, that we have a living Savior, that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is alive, Jesus is ruling and reigning, Jesus is coming back. Father, we have a wonderful present because you're with us. We have a wonderful future because we'll dwell with you forever. And Father, we just thank you for the privilege of being a part of a family, the family of God, where we can come together and worship together and, and just, uh, just praise you and receive the word and, and love one another, pray for one another. Father, we pray today that your presence will be sensed and, and the reality of your, your healing power power and your restoring power, your forgiving power will be uh, realized today in each and every life that, Lord, we'll leave this day lifted and empowered. And Lord, when we leave here today, we'll say, wow, it was good to be in the house of the Lord today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Uh, Pastor Tom, thank you for that wonderful introduction. And uh, pastors Mark and Brenda are absolutely some of our very, very dearest friends. We love them as people, but we respect them as ministers of the gospel. And it's been a privilege to preach at Heart of the Bay way back when it was East Bay. And I think this is the third location I've been in with the church. And, uh, and, and to be able to serve on the board is just a real, real honor uh, to do that. And um, so, and, and Lisa, she just had her birthday Friday. So maybe you can give her a hand. And um, we will be celebrating our 43rd anniversary in a few months. And uh, so we're thankful uh, and appreciative. Um, uh, I just, I'm going to be sharing with you today a message. Uh, but before I do that, I want to uh, show you a picture of some books that we have. If we could pop that uh, first picture up. Um, these are the books I've been privileged to write over the years. The stack on the left and the right are the ones in foreign languages. And uh, we love the, the center stack. Those are the English books. But we love it when our books get into other languages and used in Bible schools and to train ministers and things like that. And uh, I just received some phenomenal news on Friday. And if we could go to the next slide, uh, a brand new book is, uh, was shipped from the publisher, shipped from the printer on Friday. We will have it in our office on Monday. And uh, we don't have any books here, but if you want to, uh, I, I think, where's Brother Raul? I, I saw Brother Raul here not long ago. Thanks, Brother. Did you already order that book? Did I see that you'd ordered that, I think? Um, so anyway, you can go to our website, TonyCook.org, E on the end of Cook. And if you're interested in that, order that book. Um, but um, so I want to share with you today a message called uh, Transforming Pain into Purpose transforming pain into purpose. And I would almost ask this question and be so ridiculous, I won't even ask it. You know, how many of you have never experienced pain in life? And um, I just, it's not even worth asking. Uh, because how many of you found out life will hit you? 
uh, life will, uh, you know, throw all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, somebody once said that uh, God is good, but life is hard. And how many of you have realized we live in a fallen world? Um, Jesus said, your will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But how many of you know, even though we look for that, even though we anticipate that, even though we endeavor to do the will of God, and how many of you know when the will of God is done in earth, it's because his people obey him. It's because other people yield to his presence and his spirit. And, and uh, there's so many good things. Uh, but, you know, there's two messages uh, that, that are primarily preached from uh, pulpits in America. And both of them are 100% valid. The first type of message that is preached is a message about God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. Uh, John 10.10 would be kind of a perfect summary of this first type of message where Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. How many of you like hearing messages like that? I do because we need to hear messages that put the life of God in us, that remind us of how good God is and, and, and that type of thing. So the first message that we hear from pulpits in America is how good God is and how much he wants to bless us, the John 10.10 10 type of passage. But the second type of message that we hear is about our responsibilities, you know, what we have a responsibility to do, what God expects from us. And how many of you know that's an important message also, but how many of you know that's not as popular of a message? If you're anything like me, I love hearing about God wants to put in me, but I'm not always as excited about hearing about my responsibilities, what God wants to get out of me. And I do want you to know this. God does not love you based on what you can do for him. God loved us when we were sinners, when we were lost, when we had nothing to offer God. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So don't think that God just is looking at you, you know, how can I use this person, that type of thing. But you know what? When Jesus did say, freely you have received freely give. So we do want this thing to go full cycle, right? We don't just want to be somebody who's here to be a recipient of blessing. We want to be a distributor of blessing as well. And so it's often been said, if God can get it through you, God will get it to you. And there is a lot of truth to that. Um, but God doesn't just love you for what you can do for him. God loves you for who you are. And really, more importantly, God loves you because of who He is. Uh, God didn't love you because you are wonderful. God loved you because He's wonderful. All right? So today I want to talk because a lot of our ministry, when we minister in different places, is teaching people that everybody has a gift. The Bible says we have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Uh, the Bible teaches us that every single child of God, that God has put some kind of gift, skill, ability, talent on the inside of them, usually multiple gifts, talents, and skills, and he wants us to use those in serving one another. 
But today I want to do a little bit different uh, uh, twist on that. I want to talk about how God wants to use your experiences in life. How many of you know you've learned something along the journey? You've experienced. How many of you, God's done some restorative work in your life? How many of you, uh, the enemy has done and, and the world has, you know, created certain circumstances that were painful for you and God has brought some healing into your life? Do you know that other people need to hear about your healing story? And, and, and so I want to talk to you today about transforming your pain into purpose. Transforming your pain into purpose. I believe that God is not the author of our pain. I believe God is the author of our healing. But what the enemy intends for evil in your life, God will take it and turn it for good for you but then also to be a testimony for him because how many people in the world today are hurting, bleeding as it were. They've got gaping open wounds and they think nobody knows, nobody understands, nobody cares. I had an experience. I told my wife about this uh, three weeks ago, a month ago. I'd gone to the grocery store to run an errand and I'd turned into an aisle you know, to, with my car, and there was somebody waiting to back out. Now, how many of you know when you're going down a, an aisle, you have the right of way, and uh, they are supposed to wait uh, until you get out? Well, this individual um, somehow thought, apparently, and I, I don't know what other cars had done. I don't know what was going on in their life otherwise, but when I just drove past their, sorry, I just spit. When I just drove past their car, if you mix faith with that, you'll be healed. All right? That may have been just for you. No, it's to totally, totally accidental spitting. I'm sorry. Keep your mask on, okay? Keep the mask on. Oh, sorry. But, but when I drove by this, this, I started to say lady, I wasn't supposed to get into the gender issue, sorry. When I drove by this person that I won't go into detail about, this person turned around and I mean just, you know, if, if you, you've heard the th phrase, if looks could kill. I mean, this, this lady, this person was, was so full of rage and, you know, was just, I mean, literally just, you know, and, and I'm not going to, you know, the, I'm not a, a lip reader, but I could tell some things that I was not going to get a Christmas card or birthday card from her. This, this individual was not happy with me. And I'm thinking... You've, I just, I'm driving. I, I didn't do anything. I, and, and, you know, I was, I was inclined to be offended. But I thought, bless her heart, what's she going through? Who's hurt her? What have other people done? What, what, you know, what, uh, what level of um, stuff on the inside of her? And instead of, you know, what, how many of you know if we're not careful, we can let the carnality in somebody else bring out the carnality in us? We can let somebody else's fleshliness and hostility, and we can let that bring out 
But how many of you know that that's not the way we're supposed to operate? I I read a couple interesting quotes by um, a guy named Longfellow. And um, let's see if I've got that still in my... I sent it to myself as a uh, text. I appear to have deleted it, but... Longfellow, who is an an English author ages ago, said that many people that we look at have secret sorrows. And, And if we would understand the sorrow that is underlying in their life, it would disarm all of our hostility toward them. Because instead of retaliating because they were ugly to us, It would simply stir up an an element of compassion in our life toward them. So what are we going to be as believers? Are are we going to pour... See, you always, in every situation, when you encounter somebody who's, who's being ugly or a situation that is ugly, you have in one hand a, a container of gasoline. And you have in the other hand a container of water. What are you going to throw on the fire? We may not be able to make every situation better, but we cannot pour fuel on the fire. Let's go to a quote that we have on the screen here. Uh, A guy named Henry Nowen said this. He said, nobody escapes being wounded. We are all wounded people. And, and of course, when wounds come, guess what? God can help heal us, right? So I don't want you to say you have to be a perpetually wounded person or, you know, that, that there's no healing or recovery. But he said, we're all wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. The main question is not, how can we hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed? But how can we put our woundedness in the service of others. When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we have become wounded healers. And you know, we come to church, and I know, um, maybe not so much now, but I know in the church I grew up in, there's just this, you go to church, and boy, you act happy, and you just smile and act like, but you don't know what people are coming out of. You don't know what people are coming out of from the week, you know, from the day before. You know, you don't know what they've been through in their life. And, um, and, and, and church is not just a place we come and put on a, a happy face. Church is also a place we come for healing. When, when we've been injured in relationships, when we've been injured in life. Another guy made this statement. He said, and I think this is really true. He said, if you do not transform your pain... You will always transmit it. And see, that's what happens so often. People are injured in life, and because they don't allow God to heal that, uh, they end up transmitting that to other people. And I don't, this, listen, I don't want this to be a negative service. I don't want this to be a bummer of a service. But you stop and think about the pain that people go through in life, the pain of inferiority and insecurity the pain of a struggling marriage, the pain of a wayward child, the pain of an emotional challenge, the pain of addictive tendencies, the pain of loss, of abuse, of loneliness, rejection, the pain of betrayal. 
the pain of failure, disappointment, regret, the pain of sickness and disease, the pain of financial pressure, the pain of other people's judgments and criticisms. And you can just name, you know, whatever you want to name there. This world is full of pain. We are in a fallen world. But I love what Helen Keller said. She said, this world is full of adversity, but it is also full of people overcoming the adversity. So I want this to be a positive message, not a negative message. I want this to be one where we find hope and lift and healing and restoration and encouragement. How many of you watch the show? Now, this is going to date you, all right? So I'm looking at some young people here, and I know you're, they're, they're going to look at me like, what are you talking about, you old guy? How many of you watch the show Hee Haw when you, were, when you were younger? I watched that show in my teenage years. And just so you'll know, for you old fogies like me, Roy Clark went to our church in Tulsa. Uh, I got to preach in front of Roy Clark, you know, several times. But anyway, uh, let's go to... Do you remember the theme song from Hee Haw? One of their... Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. How many of you remember that old song? It's just, you know, just, man, pity party, feelings are... Listen, that is not what this service is about. This service is not about, you know, let's just bemoan all the tough things we've been in. But I want to talk to you about transforming your pain into purpose. I want to talk to you about allowing God to work redemptively in a healing way, in a restorative way, to take all of the pain that the world has given you and turn it, turn it from a tragedy into a trophy of God's redeeming grace. Some of you know, you know, and these are people that Pastor Mark and Brenda, uh, and, and how many of you thank God for Pastor Mark and Brenda? They are just, I just love them, appreciate them so much. But these are some people that, you know, they would have known in, you know, their early years. Uh, Kenneth Hagan, Oral Roberts, Lester Sumrall. All of them have gone home to be with the Lord now, but all of them had powerful anointed healing and deliverance ministries. And all of them came off the bed of terminal illness. All of them were supposed to die because of sicknesses and diseases in their body. And God healed them in their teenage years. And isn't it amazing that, that these, these three young men who were all supposed to die came off the bed of sickness, healed by the power of God, and then God gave them healing ministries. I'm not saying that God made them sick so they could have a healing ministry. No, the devil tried to destroy their lives. But you know, there's something, when you've been through something, you have an empathy. 
I know, I'll be honest with you, I know there are some times in my life where, especially when I was young and hadn't been through very much, and I'd hear so-and-so was going through, oh, well, that's too bad, you know, I'll pray, well, bless them, Lord, help them. But then I got hit with whatever it was, and I thought, oh, my, boy, I didn't know it was like this. I didn't know the, the, the you know, pressure and the, the distress and different things. When you've been through some things, you have a capacity for compassion that you didn't have when that issue was just a theoretical informational issue. The story of the Bible is, story, is the story of people who went through pain and God helped them to turn that pain into purpose. You look at Joseph being betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, lied about, thrown into prison on false charges, being forgotten about. I mean, if anybody ever had the right to say, God, life is not fair. People are horrible. And yet you take Joseph who experienced more pain of rejection, betrayal, disappointment. And what did God use him to do? To save really a nation. You know, through the wisdom God gave him. And then to save the very people who had put him in to that horrible situation. David, the persecutions he faced. Mary, uh, when uh, Simeon blessed baby Jesus, he prophesied of Mary that a sword would pierce her own soul. And think of the pain and anguish she experienced when she saw her own son betrayed and spit on and crucified. Think of Paul. He was constantly being persecuted because of his message and because of his ministry, there was pain in that. And yet he was able to take that pain and turn it into purpose. And, and we can only do that with the power and the help of God. I want us to look at a verse, Isaiah chapter 53, about the Lord Jesus. And it's up on the screen here as well. It says that Jesus was despised and rejected. A man of what? Jesus was called the man of sorrows, acquainted with what? With deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. The word translated sorrows here in the Hebrew means pain of any kind. And you know, when you think about the pain of Jesus, when you think about Jesus being a man of sorrows, the first thing that everybody thinks about is the Garden of Gethsemane where he was sweating drops of blood. And of course, the whippings, the beatings, the, the, the crucifixion of all things. Of course, we think of Jesus as a man of sorrows. But I just want you to know that the Son of God new sorrow throughout his life. And yet God was there to help him. You know, I can imagine when Jesus was very young 
moms out there, did your kids ever ask you, maybe it was when they saw a picture from the hospital or something or a picture of them as an infant, and they said, Mom, tell me about when I was born. How many of you have had that question from one of your kids? Tell me about when I was born. Or maybe you just took it upon yourself to tell. Can you imagine Mary telling Jesus about when he was born? And you think, oh, that would have been so cool because Mary got to tell him about the angels and the shepherds. And yeah, but Mary also had to tell him that there was an assassination plot on his life. That a wicked, evil king sent soldiers to kill every boy under the age of two. And there was what's called the massacre or the slaughter of the innocents. Can you imagine as a child finding out that that the king tried to kill you when you were born and that a whole bunch of little kids lost their lives because the king was trying to assassinate you? I'm not saying that Jesus grew up with survivor guilt, uh, but, but I'm saying that that was something that, he, that was part of his psyche growing up, that he was the target of an assassination attempt before he was old enough to raise his own head. Uh, under threat of death as a child, Jesus' family became refugees in a foreign land. Uh, Jesus possibly experienced the death of his earthly father, Joseph, his, his uh, what he, surrogate father, whatever the term is. You know, God was his real father. Uh, but, but Joseph, his, his uh, adoptive father, we might say, uh, was likely... Uh, dead before Jesus went into his ministry because we never see him again. Uh, we see Mary a lot, but most scholars believe that Joseph died while Jesus, you know, was perhaps in his teenage years or something like that. At one point, Jesus went through absolute rejection by his family. When Jesus began his ministry, the Bible says in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away, saying he's out of his mind. Jesus had strain in his family relationships. He faced rejection throughout his whole ministry. The Bible says in John 1.11, he came to his own people and even they rejected him. Uh, Jesus was often maligned and uh, lies were told about him and he often lived under the threat of death. Uh, Jesus felt the pain of other people. When he saw the city of Jerusalem that rejected him, the Bible says he wept over the city. Jesus knew what it was to have a close family member, member murdered brutally and senselessly when his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded by another wicked king. And what about the spiritual and emotional pain that Jesus bore in the Garden of Gethsemane as he, as he anticipated taking upon himself the sin of the whole world? I want to be very sensitive to you and I want to be very respectful of whatever you've been through because in this room, and we're not here to magnify the pain, we're here to magnify God. We're here to magnify the source of our hope, the source of our help, the source of our comfort. But the fact of the matter is, 
in, in this world, in this room today, in this auditorium, everybody has experienced pain. Everybody has experienced rejection. Everybody has, perhaps many have dealt with uh, family stresses and all different kinds of things. But I want you to know none of us have experienced anything to the degree that Jesus experienced. Because not only did he deal with it personally, but he dealt with it vicariously. I believe that when Jesus was on the cross, he bore the sin of the world. And that means the sin that hurt you. Not just the sins you committed, but the sins that were committed against you. Are are you understanding what I'm saying? The sins that were committed against you, Jesus bore that. So when you say, God, so-and-so hurt me, so-and-so lied about me, so-and-so betrayed me, so-and-so abused me, but God, you could never understand that. Jesus, you could never understand that. Number one, Jesus has been through that personally. And number two, Jesus bore the sins that were committed against you. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. He knows your grief. And, and what? Look, let's look at this next verse, Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. There's a double negative there, so just to make this simple, let's just take out the two negatives, and it means the same thing. We do have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Do you, you understand what we're doing there? We are high priest can sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, sometimes some of us, when we got hit, and, and usually that, I don't, I'd have to look up to see what that is, but usually that word tempted there deals with trials and, and adversities and things like that. Sometimes when you and I got hit with trials and all that, we reacted by sinning. Do you ever, did you ever lash out at somebody who lashed out at you? Did you ever hurt somebody who hurts you? Or did you ever get hurt by somebody and so then you, you took it out on somebody else like that? You know, I didn't do anything to that lady in the parking lot, but boy, did she take it out on me. Jesus is touched. You may think, you may think I need to go to counseling for that. I'm really just using it as a sermon illustration. I'm okay, all right? Sure got my attention that day, but anyway. But Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, and he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So I just want to share a few scriptures with you here in closing. Isaiah 61.3. Let's remember why Jesus came. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. Do you ever feel like you just got torched and, 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 and you just were left with a bunch of ashes that your hopes and your dreams were just burnt and, and maybe your sense of innocence was burnt, your, your, your sense of trust in somebody was burnt and it created mourning for you, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Jesus came to console, to comfort those who mourn to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy 
for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let God, let God do that exchange with you. Didn't Pastor Mark just preach on exchange? Let, let Jesus do that exchange. Jesus took your ashes so you could have beauty. Jesus took your mourning so you could have joy. Jesus bore the spirit of heaviness so you could have the garment of praise. Look at four, Luke 4.18, which is actually uh, Jesus' uh, rendition of Isaiah's passage. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. How many of you remember... Boy, I'm, I'm using some old illustrations. You young people, I'm so sorry. I, I can't quote a cool current song because I don't know a cool current song. But, but there was a group I listened to back in the 70s and some of these folks with gray hair, hair and... How many of you know Simon and Garfunkel? Yeah. How many of you know this song? I am a rock. I am an island. And a rock feels no pain. And an island never cries. How many of you remember that song? I am a rock. I am an island. A rock feels no pain, and an island never cries. That is so bogus. <laughs> that is so false. You're human. And we're part of a, you know, we, how many of you know we're in the world, but we're not of it? And when you're, you see, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be anything that hurts or causes injury or whatever. But we live in a fallen world, and if you've been around very long, uh, you have felt pain. And maybe you've learned, maybe that, I don't know what they meant by, because I really did like them as a group, but um, I, maybe that's what they were presenting. I don't even know the rest of the song, so maybe they explained it. But, but, but the reality is, is that we do feel pain. We do cry, if it, unless we're just really good actors. Unless we've really just mastered the art of suppressing and repressing it and acting like everything's okay when it's not okay. People carry some things. Unless, unless they've participated in this great exchange and allowed the Holy Spirit to really do a healing work. My prayer is, is that you're not sitting there today with gaping wounds in your psyche or anywhere else, but if you are, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do a wonderful work of healing. But if you're sitting here like so many that have scars, I pray that your scars will become testimonies of God's healing power. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, 33 says, By faith, how many of you like the Hebrews chapter 11? 
By faith they did this. By faith they did that. By faith they overcame. By faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. Uh, They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. See, that's what we're advocating today. When we talk about woundedness, we're not talking about staying perpetually wounded for the rest of your life. We're saying we have a Savior who heals. When we're talking about weakness, we're not talking about uh, just, just, you know, limping and wimping through life. But we are saying you need to acknowledge when I am weak, then He becomes my strength. I'm not talking about getting a strength where you don't need Him. I'm talking about letting the joy of the Lord be your strength. I'm talking about you being able in your human weakness to be able to say, the Lord is the strength of my life. But here's the thing. You can't solve a problem you don't have. Did you hear what I said? You can't solve a problem that you don't have. And, and until you can be totally honest with God, until you can acknowledge, Lord, these are the areas where I've been hurt. These are the areas where I've been wounded. Maybe I've been putting on a front to make everybody else think I'm okay. But God, you know that I need some restorative work. Lord, you are my shepherd. And one of the things you do is you restore my soul. My prayer today is that you will find the grace of God to be totally and 100% honest with God. Even about areas of your life where you may still be carrying pain. And that you will find out what it is to walk with God in these ways where your pain is redeemed by God's influence. And that this... uh, Pain, as, it, as you are healed by God, will lead you to reservoirs of grace in your life so that you can become an agent of healing to others, so that other people can look at your scars and you can tell them about what God did to bring healing in your life. See, it's not that you never went through anything. It's that you never went through anything without God. And he brought healing where the world and the flesh and the devil brought pain and suffering. Untouched by God's hand, pain leads to cesspools of infection and bitterness. But redeemed by God's grace, they become reservoirs of life, love, and healing toward others. As you process pain in your life, as you allow God to be your healer, the Holy Spirit to be your comforter, Jesus to be uh, your, your, not, just, not just your Savior, but your shepherd who walks you through these processes in life, you end up with a reservoir of grace. Let, let me close with one final quote. One final quote here. Samuel Chadwick said, Only the wounded are masters at mending. Only the wounded are masters at mending. I have told my wife, there are some people in heaven that I'm going to have to apologize to. 
when I get there. I'm thinking of a couple people in particular that many years ago came to me. They were looking for help. They were looking for encouragement. And they said, Brother Cook, and they began to share with me, and I just had to say, I I, I don't know. I, I don't understand what you're saying. And I could tell that it kind of shut them down. They were looking for help and support that at that time I didn't understand what they were going through. I have since come to understand what they were going through because I went through it later myself. And I so wish, and and again, I'm not judging myself overly harshly because I just, I didn't understand at that point. But but I I just look back and think, boy, when I get to heaven, I want to find them and say, you know that time you came to me and you started to open up your heart? I'm sorry I couldn't help you better. I'm sorry I couldn't support you better. Um, and, and maybe I could have just said something like this. You know what? I've never been through that. But would you please tell me what you're going through? Help me understand what you're going through. And maybe I could have been a little bit more empathetic. Maybe I could have been a little bit more compassionate that way. But here's the thing. Even if people disappoint you, even if you went to somebody looking for help and they kind of, well, I don't know what you're going through and they, you kind of felt shut down for them. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. Jesus will never shut you down. Don't ever buy into the lie that Jesus doesn't understand what you're going through, what you've been through. You know, nobody's, you know, you say, well, but I I was abused. Jesus was abused. Jesus was beaten mercilessly and and he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Lord, I pray this hasn't come across as a negative message at all. But Lord, we want this to be a healing message. Uh, Lord, you're a God of compassion. Lord, we care about the pain that any person here, every person here has been through. Lord, Lord, we don't want to just hold on to the pain like it's some kind of badge of honor. Lord, we want to release the pain to you. Uh, We don't want the pain to be our identity Lord, we want the healing that you bring us. That's where we want to find our identity, in the comfort, in in the restorative power and the mercy and compassion of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't want to just say we are wounded healers. Lord, we want to say we were wounded, but we've come in contact with the great healer and he's healed us. And, And now we get to share what God has done in us and through us with others. And, and Lord, we just want to be a healing and restoring community that has great compassion and great mercy. And so, Father, we pray right now for every person here that, that we'll just be able to look to you and say, Lord, thank you. We invite you into our journey. We invite you into our life. Uh, Lord, uh, I may have areas where I've never opened up to anybody about certain levels of pain, but Lord, let me begin to be honest with you because you already know. And, and Lord, if I've held resentment and unforgiveness against you, Lord, help me to understand that you're not the source of my pain, but you are the source of my healing. Lord, don't let me run away from you because I'm confused by pain. Lord, let me run to you as the author of comfort, compassion, and mercy. And I just want to take a quick second before we close this service. There may be people here in this auditorium right now 
There may be people watching online that you've never taken that first step toward becoming a new creature in Christ. I'll tell you what will have so much impact in your life is when you can say, I've become a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And, and the way that we become a new creature is we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. Uh, there may be people watching right now that maybe you've been religious and maybe you've tried to be a good person and maybe you've tried to keep the Ten Commandments and all. You know, all that's great, but none of that gets you into heaven. Heaven's not for good people. Heaven's not for perfect people. Heaven's not for religious people. Heaven is for one type of person and one type of person only. Heaven is for forgiven people. And if you're here in this room today, if you're watching online and you've never, ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, uh, turned away from your old life, turned away from sin, and said, God, I'm giving you my life, I'm giving you my heart, and at the same time, this is that exchange, I'm receiving your forgiveness, I'm receiving your mercy. That's how we become new creatures in Christ. And maybe there's people here in this room as well that you say, well, I, I gave my life to God at one point, but I've been running away from God, and I need, to, I need to quit running away from God today. I need to run to God. I need to get back. Like the prodigal son in the Bible, he had to come back to his father's house. We're going to pray in just a second. I want to ask this question in this room, but uh, I, I, this is also for people online. How many people here today would say, Tony, I need to be a part of that kind of a prayer today. I need to give my life to Jesus for the very first time, or I need to rededicate my life and get back on track with God. I'm not talking about somebody that just needs to make a little tiny adjustment. I'm talking about you've been running away from God, and you need to come back to God today. On either of those invitations, number one, accepting Jesus for the first time, or number two, rededicating your life to God. Let me see your hand. Hold it up all over this place if that's you. You need Jesus for the first time. Thank you. I see that hand right over there. Are there others with uplifted hand would say, Tony, I need to give my life to Jesus today. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Or, or I need to rededicate my life to God. I, I can't see who's watching online. So there may be several online that are, are that's their heart right where you are. And, and what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to pray that prayer. Uh, right now. You say, is this a magic prayer? No, it's you just verbalizing that you are accepting Jesus. It's, it's like meeting somebody. You know, for the first time, you're saying, I, I, I'm meeting you, I'm greeting you, and, and that type of thing. Let's pray this all together. Say, say this out loud with me. Say, Dear God, I come to you right now. I thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. I believe he shed his blood. I believe he was raised from the dead. He's alive right now, offering me forgiveness, acceptance, and eternal life. Jesus, I receive you 
as my Lord and Savior. I receive all of those wonderful gifts you're giving me. And I give you my life. I, I surrender my life and my heart to you. I want to live for you all the days of my life. Help me to live for you. To love you. And to follow you. Lord, thank you for making me your child. For making me a new person. Giving me complete forgiveness for all of my past. In Jesus' name. Let's all lift our hands and thank God for that. For those that prayed that today, Father, we lift them up to you. That this will not be a final step for them. It will be a first step for them. And Lord, we just thank you right now. Lord, as we preach today about, about heal, healing from the pain of life, Lord, make us healers with, our, with words of grace, with words of comfort, with words of understanding. Lord, help us to be compassionate toward people that are hurting. And Lord, help us to receive just uh, the renewing of our mind and the restoring of our souls. And Lord, help us to release hurts from the past and help us move into uh, a wonderful life that is healed and restored in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, I can't tell you what a joy it is to be with you. And um, just so good to see uh, Pastor Nancy and Miss Jane and Pastor Tom and everybody. You guys have such a great team here and many others. I know I shouldn't start with names because then I'll forget somebody and not mention. How, how many know it takes a lot of people to have a great church like this? And you're part of it when you give, when you serve, uh, when you come, when you pray. Uh, Thank God for heart for the house and, and thank God for all the giving that you do to your church. Um, I, I have the privilege of being a board member here so we get to see all the inner workings and just appreciate the integrity and the honor and the fruitfulness that's happening here. So, uh, Pastor Tom, are you going to do the dismissal? Would that be your, sure. your role? All right. God bless you. Thank you all so much.